Hey everyone, it's me, Regina Hassan, your host for Pregnant with Purpose podcast. We're a podcast that, hey, we celebrate and encourage people who are 60 plus who are either living out or looking for their God-given purpose. And today is a very special show today. We have been talking about the different rhythms of life or the different seasons of our life. And we've gone over, we've gone over a few, but this one here is... I called it the genre of music because what we did was we matched a genre of music with a different season. So this genre I call the gospel because this is the truth. And this is about when you come to that place in your life where God has shown you you. And you are down to the real you, the real truth of who you are. And that's what basically what I was thinking of when I called this segment the gospel. But let me get to our guest. Wow. You know, I can go on for like an hour about just an intro about this person. I mean, um, uh, co-pastor, writer, uh, what is you haven't done? Entrepreneur. I mean, just you were into real estate, realtor at one time. You know, this lady, uh, on top of the fact that she's a, a, a fantastic wife, mother, daughter, um, uh, I'm saying stuff like I'm at your funeral or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, a life well right. lived can sound a like life, that. Really, really. <laughs> but um, um, my my meeting of this of this person and um, happened when uh, I got first introduced. Really, started entering into a relationship with uh, Christ, and that was many, 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 many years ago. And I was staying with a very good friend of mine. Margot and Margot told me that for me to stay with her, I would have to go to church. And she brought me to a church like no other church. It was St. John's downtown. And let me say, it was a little bit different than the church that I knew. You know, there were people walking around with jeans on and this guy came up, this, this guy who come to find out he's her husband came up and he was like, in jeans and a t-shirt and he was like the pastor and and I was <laughs> who is this dude <laughs> you know but one of the things that both of them possessed was man they would meet you and then after that they knew your name you know they would call you by name hey come here and and this um and th- my guest you know who was the co-pastor with her husband of uh, St. John's uh she was very good in pouring into women and she poured a lot into me in fact i i give her credit for uh the opportunities that i get to teach or preach the word of god it all started with her when she approached me and asked me hey how do you feel about doing a women's Bible study? And I said to her, I don't know anything about the Bible. And her response was just quick, like, well, I guess you'll learn then. And uh, I did the Bible study. And, man, I, I, I really, really was so glad about uh, having that opportunity. And then her husband asked me to preach for Lay Sunday. Do they still do late Sunday? Yes, we do. In October? Mm-hmm. Her husband said, you know, and I was like, what that mean? Late Sunday, what they, you know, and he was like, you know, he said people that aren't ordained or to be, he said we'll allow them to preach. And I preached my first sermon uh, at uh, St. John's, and um, I've been teaching and preaching ever since then. In fact, I'm on the preaching team at the current church that I'm at. But I always attributed it to this, this woman right here, man. She gave us so much. I can't go into all of it, man. I'm just going to have to say it. 
because they're going to get mad at me because I'm going to run out the whole time just introducing her. So let me just, without any further ado, please, please welcome, and I know I'm not in front of a live audience, but y'all out there, welcome Pastor Juanita Campbell Rasmus. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I am so glad that you are here. I really am. I've been excited about it ever since I thought about you for this segment. I've been excited. They know, uh, they know I've been like crazy. Who would need to be, you know? But um, you know, in all her. Uh, doings and everything that she does and all of who she is, she was able to write a book that really uh, captures her experience. And I'm going to let her talk to you about the experience. But this book, I'm just going to tell y'all this. This book is the appetizer. It's the soup and the salad. It is the entree. It is the dessert. And it's a nice little glass of brandy after uh, afterwards. It is all in all. This book covers everything, and it's so good. And I'm just so excited to talk about it. I'm sure a lot of you watching have already gotten the book. You've already read the book, so you can attest to this. But I like discovering, rediscovering things again. It's like it came out, you know, now it's time for it to do another uh, grand opening or another launch, you know. Mm -hmm. For this, because the information in it is so great. I wish I had it when I was younger. That's why I'm getting copies for the crew. I yeah. wish I had it when I was yeah. had been at a younger age. Yeah. I really do. But anyway, Pastor Juanita, can, hey! can you give us the? I know it's going to be hard to give us the, the nitty gritty or the meat, but just can you get us to the point with what got you to the book? Can you take us there? Sure. Okay. You know, each of us, first of all, thank you for having me. And it's been amazing meeting your crew. I love um, Each of us comes to our life at a point with a narrative. Hmm. And usually that narrative, our, our, our story about our identity starts in childhood. For many of us, it starts in the womb. Now, the scripture says it's before the mother's womb, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. that was an identity that's a divine identity. The identity most of us live into and operate out of is usually not our divine identity. Mm -hmm. That's the identity that the ego creates that most of us begin to live out of. And so that identity is usually rooted in uh, what your people call you, how your neighbors treat you, how you get treated at school, if you got good grades or you got bad grades, mm -hmm. if you go into detention. All those things then become a part of the narrative that we tell ourselves and that usually gets reinforced by our community, by our society, by our culture, by whether we're in, you know, born in America or born in Africa or born in Europe. All of those various dimensions help shape and form us. Mm -hmm. All right? Now, here's the thing. The word familiar ends in the word liar. Wow. Wow. And so often the familiar story we tell ourselves is rooted in lies, untruths, partial truths. Daddy left because I didn't make a good grade in math. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden now you're bearing the weight of your parents 
divorce because you think you didn't make a good grade in math. Right, right. And so that becomes your narrative, wow. right? And so then abandonment becomes an issue. I have to perform well so people won't leave me. Right. So na- the narrative, right? And it's like a train, Regina. Mm-hmm. It, it picks up speed at different points in our life. And the more we play the vibration of that story, the more we attract more energy that lines up with the story we've been telling ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so where I start in the book or what brought me to the place in the book was my narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, my narrative was very early on somewhere I got the message that I should have been a boy. I got the message that um, I had to make up for not being a boy, so make sure you're a good student, you're a good girl, you don't get in trouble, you don't get punished, you do everything people tell you to do, you kowtow to authority, whether authority is right, wrong, crazy, cuckoo, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so I lived into that. And so what I did was created rules. Okay. I gotta be a good girl. So let's, let's create some rules. So the Bible talks about 10 commandments. I had 210. <laughs> Cause I wanted to make sure I didn't get outside the boundaries of the mm-hmm, 10. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. set 200 mm-hmm, extra, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of narrative is very, um, draining. It sucks the life out of you. And what ends up happening for most of us is there comes a place in our life where our story no longer works for us. Uh-huh. The narrative doesn't serve us. It might have served you through elementary and middle school and high school. And for some, it'll serve up usually until around 30, 32, 33. But somewhere between 32 or so and 40, that narrative falls apart. It's either going to fall apart because of a divorce. It might fall apart because of financial disaster. It might fall apart because of a health crisis. It fall apart, uh, may fall apart because of you're saying nothing I've tried is working. Uh-huh. I don't understand. Uh-huh. You know, everybody around me is successful. Why isn't it working for me? There's going to be something that literally pulls the rug from under your feet. Uh-huh. And it's because the ego has created this narrative that is not divine. Wow. Wow. It looked around and said, okay, you're the third born. Okay, you're the last child from the fifth, fifth, fifth girlfriend. So where, where do I fit in this, this family uh, geneogram, this family tree? Where do I fit in? And who should I be based on where I fit in? And so, so much of that, and it's so unconscious. It's not like as a baby you go, okay, who am I supposed to be in this family mm-hmm, system? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the conscious mind, I always say to people, Pay attention to what you say around your children because they hear you even in the womb. We come into the world with everything we need to be functioning, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that means when people are saying, I wish I didn't have this baby. I wish I wasn't pregnant. Right, that right. baby internalizes that energy. Mm-hmm. They can't verbalize it until later. And even then sometimes don't know why they don't feel wanted. Mm-hmm. They don't feel loved, mm-hmm. right? And so here's this narrative for all of us at some point the narrative gets shaken up like this water and soap I put in this bottle. And that becomes confusion, chaos, disorientation, everything you knew that you thought was going to make for a good life, right? If I just follow this rule, it's going to work out. My, my thing was, and I didn't realize this until what I call the crash in the book, is that I was using rules to keep me safe. 
Mm -hmm. I thought if I just follow the rules, it'll keep me safe. Safe from what? Safe from the fear of punishment. Because good little girls don't want to get punished. Neither do good little boys. Mm. Right? Right. And so I get to this place. Everything is going well. Anybody that looked at my life at the time probably would have said, oh, they've got a great life. they got a great marriage, great <laughs> kids. The kids do well in school. The church is growing. We yes. started with nine members originally in 1992. Uh, by 99, which is when the, we get to the book, we've grown to 3,500 people. Mm -hmm. There are 500 members joining every year. The church is booming. I'm teaching two Bible studies a week. I'm preaching every other Sunday because Rudy and I, my husband, rotate we're starting to cultivate uh, ministry leaders and probably why I said hey you thought about teaching because <laughs> I was probably exhausted and didn't know how to name that um, that was good but that we got good. to that place you know mm -hmm. where this growth is happening and and like I said we were getting awards from our denomination mm -hmm. fastest growing United Methodist Church and keep in mind neither Rudy nor I or licensed or ordained. Right, that's right. I remember. So, yeah. in essence, the denomination hadn't put their brand on us so that they could say, well, look what the denomination did. Mm -hmm, They're mm -hmm. just going, how is this happening? Right. And then they have to, you know, because they've got systems in place that give awards. Now, keep in mind, I'm a rule follower. I, I work for a reward. Right. Stick right. a carrot in front of me, I'll kill myself, right? <laughs> and darn near did. Yep, yep, you know? yep, yep. And so that narrative shows up. I always say that the epidemic of crack cocaine was happening during the time the church was really growing. I was a crack addict. Mm. And the church was my crack house. Oh, wow. 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 And I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I just kept showing up and I would get a rush and then I would go home and pass out. Right, right. Because I was exhausted. So with that kind of backdrop, the idea of me wanting to be a good wife, a good mom, a good daughter, a good pastor, a good you name it, right? Mm -hmm. We get to St. John's. It's year seven. I wake up and because our family is, is, is busy and sometimes chaotic, um, I try to make sure breakfast is the time that we're all together and we have a good breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so every morning I was intentional about the breakfasts we prepared. You know, when my kids were studying the book Green Eggs and Ham, guess who had green eggs and ham? <laughs> we did, right? And, you know, Valentine, it didn't even have to be Valentine's Day. They'd get heart-shaped pancakes and, you know, I'd have fresh fruit and, and whatever and, and try to make sure that time was special because it was the only time the four of us were going to be together. Mm -hmm. And so this particular morning, the girls were in middle school. Um, it was a Friday morning and it was August the 27th. I um, had prepared breakfast and called everybody in to come and eat. And we ate breakfast. And then my husband said, baby, would you like me to take the kids to school? I said, that'd be great. I can put on my makeup in the bathroom mirror instead of the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm, and every mm -hmm. mama knows something about that. Right? <laughs> and so I hugged everybody, kissed them, made sure they had their stuff. They left out the house. I went in the bathroom and was putting on my makeup. And then all of a sudden, I just felt so sick. I didn't know if I was like maybe getting the flu. And I thought, well, maybe I've been moving around too fast. You know how sometimes you move around so fast mm -hmm. and then you kind of lose your equilibrium. I wasn't quite sure, but I felt like everything in me was going to come out one way or another. Mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling good. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the phone, called our secretary and said, you know, 
I'm not feeling well. I think maybe I've just moved around too fast. So I'll come in a little later today. I think if I lay down, I'll probably recenter and then I can come on in. I hung up the phone and I literally had what I now have heard people say was an outer body experience. Mm-hmm. I saw myself pick up the landline so it was a while ago, <laughs> hit redial, and I said, I'm not coming in. I don't know if I'm ever coming back. I'm going to take a sabbatical or a leave or something. And I hung up the phone. Mm-hmm. And I got in the bed, and I began to sleep somewhere between 18 to 20 hours a day for months. Wow. And after about two weeks of that, my husband said, baby, something's wrong. This is not just you tired. This is something else. And so I went to my doctor. She ruled out hyper and hypothyroidism. She ruled out um, diabetes and hypertension because other illnesses can mimic what I was ultimately diagnosed with. Mm -hmm. And that was a major depressive episode. Now, my grandmother didn't know nothing about the DSM-4, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Interpreting and Diagnosing Mental Health Issues. (laughs) Say it all. The DSM. Yeah. She didn't know nothing about that. Uh -uh. She would have said, baby, you had a nervous breakdown. That's right. And so when I saw my psychiatrist, that was my main question. Did I have a nervous breakdown? Hmm. And I asked her that, and she said, well, Miss Rasmus, there's no such thing in the DSM-4. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, maybe she's scared to tell me. <laughs> she might have another one. Exactly. You know, I could be that fragile, because I was fragile. Matter of fact, I was so fragile, Regina, I don't know how I got to that doctor's appointment, and I don't know how I got back. Wow. To this day, I do not remember how. I just remember looking up, and there I was. And then I remember exiting the freeway by my house and thinking, how did I get here? Wow. And knowing it was nothing but the grace of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's where the book starts. Uh, Learning to Be is written out of my experience of a major depressive episode. And I want to say this, uh, because we're approaching Mental Health Awareness Month as well. Exactly. And so... I want to say it doesn't matter about your diagnosis. The di- you can decide that you're going to become the diagnosis or you can decide because it's a, there's a decision to be made mm-hmm. or you can decide that you'll use the diagnosis to become. Wow. Now that's good. Say that again. You need to say that. You can decide that you will become that you'll become the diagnosis. diagnosis. Okay. We're used to people labeling us. Right. You you have hypertension. You have diabetes. We're used to labels, right? You're a drug addict. You're a drug addict. Okay. We're used to labels. Or you can decide that you'll use the diagnosis to become. That's this good. is one of the things my therapist told me. He said, Juanita, you're gonna have to live with this for the rest of your life. And when he said that to me, it was like, to me, the worst point he could have ever said that. Because I'm thinking to myself, you mean I'm going to have to feel like shit forever? (laughs) You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Dong is in the Bible. (laughs) I was so empty. Wow. I was like a, it was, you, you know how a rubber band, when you stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. After a point, it won't go back to its original size. Right, exactly. I had been stretched and emptied just like that. Wow. Because I had given everything I knew to give, and I would wake up thinking to myself, now this was before the day of the crash, I would wake up thinking, is this there all, all there is to life? Hmm. And then you die? Hmm. 
because nothing felt meaningful to me. Nothing gave me joy. Nothing made me laugh. Nothing made me smile. I had gotten to the point where I was empty. Mm. But empty was the launching place for becoming. Mm. Right, right. So that's what I find so fascinating about... Think about what you said. I need to find more... uh, uh, I need to extend my vocabulary, my emotional word vocabulary. So, <laughs> but that's what I find so intriguing. <laughs> Look at you. Million dollar word right out the gate. I got this. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay? Right. I know where to find a dictionary. Okay? <laughs> but is that you literally take on every form of um, help. Can I say that? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you do it all, which in, in most books are similar to this. You know, it's going to be the majority is going to be about leading up to the crash and then the crash, 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 crash. And then we're going to get to the point where it says, and then I got help and we live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like that in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, it was like uh, you sought out help in all different type of modalities. Right. Not just, you didn't just go to a psychiatrist right. and, say, and they gave you a pill. Right. And, uh, Which you, they did do now. Right, Actually, it exactly. was two pills. That, But that's not the only thing that you <laughs> yeah, did. And by, yeah. by the way, I went to middle school with your psychiatrist. What? <laughs> I went to middle school with Shana Lee. Yeah. Yes, I did. I did. I love I, I her. I'm like, I know Shana. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but you didn't just stop it with that. You know, it, it was like you actively participated in your healing you did not take it to your doctor and say hey doc fix me you know mm-hmm. okay i'll take like we do i mean yeah, exactly. i'm not like i do you know you have high blood pressure yeah, you go yeah. to the doctor you get a pill that's yeah. all you want to do yeah. I, i'm taking my blood pressure medicine right, right, you know right. instead of watching weight watching right. what you eat right. all that type of stuff right. it's like but you didn't do that in from, from this book talks about and and the awesome thing about it is all the things that you did, not all of them, but most of the things that you did, you have you offer that same help to the reader. You have the links that you use to, you know, I, and I mean, I've been, let me look that up right there. You know, you, you've added that. And that's what's so, that's what I love about this book is the fact that you, you actively participated in your healing. You didn't stop with one thing. You know, it was a, a it was just a, a gumbo mm-hmm. of things. The the labyrinth, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, the meditation, right. the retreats. Yes. You know, uh, the psychiatry. Yes. You know, all that you yeah. did it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, uh, to get better. So, yeah. talk a little bit about what led you to all those different. You know, I mean, why didn't you just stop with? You went to the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist said, "Huh, take these." And come back in two weeks, you right, know. Right. Uh, and the therapy that you had, even the therapist that you chose, like I thought it was amazing that you ha- was going to a therapist, and then you said, "When I was finished mm-hmm. with her, mm-hmm. then I went to my next therapist." Exactly. And I was like, "What do you mean you finished exactly. with her?" You were, and, yeah. and you know, and and the things that they they uh, encourage you to do in your right, therapist that you right. included all that. But yeah. tell me, how did you? What made you go to the different? different modalities or the different uh, methods of uh, uh, recovery. How did you, I mean, 
Do you know I've not had any any interviewer ask me that question? Really? I haven't. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> The, the, the answer that comes to me is basically everything that I did, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to do. Okay. That's Including yoga. Oh, and yeah, see, when yeah. I was taking yoga, or when I started taking yoga, it was at a time when one of my mentors would have damned me to hell for taking yoga. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is a very different era. Right. Now everybody, they, including the goats, Right. Do yoga now. Right. right exactly. And ain't, nobody's concerned about it. All right. But at that time. Oh, yeah. This person would you, have damned me. And you went to a retreat with a Catholic. It was oh, a absolutely. Catholic retreat. That absolutely. Been, oh, yeah, oh, that yeah. That would have been. Yeah. Everything. That would have been really taboo. Because the know? Holy Spirit was showing me, in essence, when you are on the path of healing, you go where the healing is. Right. Okay. If you're in the darkness and you need light, you go where the light is. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly. what I was doing. So the, the Lord put me on this path. And he say, okay, go do this. Or she say, however you want right, to look at God. Right, right, Abba, right. Amma, because I see God as both. All. All. All right? right. And so when spirit would say, okay, go do this, I would do it. Now, now I got to tell you, I didn't always do it right away. For several reasons. One, I didn't have the stamina. When the Spirit told me to start walking, I didn't have stamina to walk. I could barely get out of my bed and go to the toilet. Right. All right? And I remember one day the Spirit said, get up and go out to the mailbox. Now, you have to understand, when you open my front door, the mailbox is mounted to the side of the house. Uh I didn't have the stamina to do that. Wow. But the Lord kept giving me instructions, knowing that at some point I would have the stamina to do it, right? I would have the capacity to do it. I could not pray. I could not read scripture. None of the traditional things that required me to use my mind could I use. Uh Uh And so God allowed the mind to begin to get restored. But meanwhile, there were things God would say to me to do. Go sit outside. You see, I didn't realize that when you're experiencing depression, usually you have a vitamin D deficiency. And the best way to get vitamin D is outside, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And as African-American people, we're often told, don't, girl, don't be hanging out in the sun. So, you don't right. want to get burned. Exactly, you, don't exactly. get, you don't want to get darker. Dark. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and so, we don't do that. That's right. So, again, now look, that's narrative. Right. Exactly. All narrative. right. Nobody in my family hangs outside. Right. Narrative. Narrative. Everybody in my family has hypertension and diabetes. Narrative. That's right. Right. All right. And so as the spirit would guide me to do certain things, I would just do them. Mm -hmm. Because I knew I didn't know how to make me better. I, I had a feeling the doctors could only do what their particular niche in medicine was going to allow them to do. And so I was open. And so I want to, I want to offer this to your audience. This is a practice I do. I want you to bring your hands in front of you like you're clapping. And you say, I am open and willing to receive and to give love. They are, they are doing this right now, y'all. I am Everybody open is. and willing to receive and to give love. love. Now, here's what I learned. Dr. David Hawkins, who is a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, um, did a study and he used um, uh, body testing to help determine emotions and put them on a scale. And so he calls it the map of consciousness. So at the very lowest level is sadness, deep sadness, like depression, anger, fear, 
apathy, that sense that you have no capacity to move, to do anything. And so all those things are on the lowest level of that scale. But on the higher level is courage. And um, then there's uh, something I can't remember which one is after courage. But then there's willingness. Then you start to move into um, peace and you move into love and you move into joy. And then the highest level on the scale of consciousness or the map of consciousness is enlightenment. Huh. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to tell somebody how to be courageous. Right. I don't know how to teach that. Right. But I can teach what was the next thing, and that was willingness. Huh. Huh. I'm open and willing gotcha. to receive gotcha. and to give, give love. love. That was the one thing. And even at the time, I didn't know to do it in a physical way. I just knew. I was beyond, let me use this. Every morning I would wake up having slept, feeling as though I had fallen down this tunnel every day for weeks. And I kept thinking, Lord, can't I just hit bottom? Because you taught me that until you hit the bottom, nothing's going to happen. Rock bottom. Right? And so I kept thinking, well, Lord, Regina said it's hit rock bottom. So I'm like, Lord, let me hit rock bottom. What does that look like? Because the spinning, the sense of falling and tumbling every night, and you wake up from that. Mm-hmm. You wake up exhausted. You wake up frightened because mm-hmm. my anxiety was up because the anxiety and depression seem to be lovers, and they where one goes, the other goes. <laughs> and so lovers. here good. we are, and me hitting this, this place where I'm never hitting bottom. And literally, Regine, I kept feeling like, when I say falling in a well like a tunnel mm-hmm. it was like why couldn't some bricks be sticking out so I could grab, grab my hands right, on the right. side and stop this falling right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so finally one day I remember hitting the bottom and I remember it clearly mm-hmm. just like we're sitting here in these two chairs there was a third chair right Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. it was like they were saying, we've been waiting on you. Right. Waiting on you to let go. And when I when I got there, it was like, we're so glad you're here. Hmm. We want you to know how much we love you. And you had to go through all of this. Because scripture says, not unless you die. That's good. Okay. That's good. Scripture says, until a grain of wheat falls on the ground mm-hmm. and dies and cracks open right. right it can't bear fruit and the first fruit it bears is its own life and that's what happened for me I cracked open so that I could become the person that God had in mind before I was placed in my mother's womb that divine self, that divine self. so tell me uh, talk about this also because this really this really moved me in the book when you talked about the fact that <clears throat> when you were lying in bed yes. and you couldn't do anything yeah and you heard God say to yeah. you yeah look at you now yeah you're yeah. not doing anything right and you you know help to me now right you know? that's how it sounded that's right right, right. Yeah. and you talk about how this sounded but yeah. you talked about what what really was happening yeah talk about yeah. that so I was laying in bed and I needed to go to the restroom. And so I need people to understand that my mind was so shut down, I couldn't think of how to get out the bed to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. And so I'm laying there, and I think, well, maybe if I rolled off the bed like a pencil, that's what came to my mind. Hold your body like a pencil and roll off the bed. And then I could roll into the restroom, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm laying there, 
and I, I can't even I can't even make that happen because my mind is just that shut down. And so in that moment, I heard the spirit say in the voice of my old narrative, look at you. You can't do anything for me. Nothing. But I love you. But I love you. All right. For me, it was. Damn it, why can't you do something? You've done this to yourself. You deserve this. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. I heard the punishing God that I had grown up with. Right. When you get in trouble, you there there's God Judge Judy right. and then there's Santa Claus. And you don't want to jack up Christmas for either one of those two things, right? You know? And so here in that very moment, the Lord said, That's not what I said. In essence, that's not how I said that. Right. What I said is this. Look at you, Juanita. You have gotten yourself in this place. There's nothing you can do for me to earn my love. Mm. You already have it. But see, that rule follower thought I had to earn God's love. I had to earn my right not to have been a boy for my parents. Now, I got to tell you, my parents never told me they wanted a boy. Never. <laughs> I never heard anybody say they wanted a boy. All right? But somehow, that was the message I got. It could have been culturally. Because, you know, in that day, everybody was your mama and everybody was your daddy. Right. You know, you walk down, at least in my neighborhood, I walk a block and I do something stupid. It got home before I did. And the neighbor had the right to spank my butt. That's right. You know, because That's it was right. a communal experience. Mm -hmm. And so, likewise, we get communal, familiar stories. Liar. And we're talking about the truth, right? Right. And so there has to be an impetus for the truth. There has to be an opening for the truth. And that spot on that bed, in that moment, I've never been more grateful that I couldn't get out of bed than in that moment. I'm so grateful because, Regina, if I could have gotten out of bed, I would have gotten out and I would have gotten out with the same understanding I had as when I laid exactly. in the bed. Exactly. Exactly. Because I would have got to doing. I would have gotten back to the old way right. because the ego wants you to go back to the old stuff because it knows that it can control that. It's exactly. in charge of that. Mm -hmm. It created the narrative for that. But God was saying, I have a new way. I have a new way. Right. That part that that just really moved me to to have that moment with God where it makes so much sense where I could just be yes and it's not about Thank it's you. not about um, it's not about doing anything right. you know right which you know like you said you know you raised up in a culture that it's like you know you have to do and. You know, it wasn't until I started going to other churches and listening to other people say, man, you can't outgive God. That's right. God That's loves right. you. That's right. You know, That's and right. it's not about you. you That's know? right. And I, I, tell, I often say that to people, you know. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is. That's, exactly That's just right. the kind of God he is. Absolutely. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. Because I'm using my finite right. brain. Right. 
You mess with me, yeah. we through. I ain't got nothing to do with you no more. Get out of here. <laughs> you know? I hear you. You know, I'm like, Jesus, you. man, was the ultimate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Hey, I'd have called down somebody. Yeah. You know, y'all, oh, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it ain't no. going down like this. It ain't going down like this. I've <laughs> yeah. been called Lazarus. Yeah. You dude, yeah. you owe me. You know? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I don't, his thoughts are not my thoughts. No. His ways are not my ways. They're no. so much higher. Yes. And I understand what that means now. Yes. But to find out, and what, uh, oh, that's another thing. That was my phone. Don't panic, Gerald. That was my phone. <laughs> that was another thing that I was going to talk about, too. It was such a relief that when I read that, you do a lot of breathing. I do. This is a breathing <laughs> woman here. Juanita does a lot of breathing, does yeah. a lot of stuff with breathing, yeah. you know. You always have, you know, you always have to stop, take a breath, mm -hmm. you know, take it in. Mm -hmm. It was one of those moments where when I read that part of being able to say, mm -hmm. you know yeah. what? Yeah. You know, yeah. that is true. That is, God loves me. Yeah. It's not about what I do. That's right. It's, it's like a grandbaby. I have two grandbabies now. Yeah. They ain't do nothing but yeah, show two, up. And two. I fell in love. Exactly. That's you all know, they did all was they show did up. All they did was show up, poop, pee, you know, <laughs> throw up. And, right. and I'm like, oh, my God. I love it. Oh. I love it. I love it. Exactly. Ain't that cute? You know, I know. You know? <laughs> so That's it, a good it's one. A, it's, a, it's a love we, we really cannot comprehend. Not totally. Exactly. exactly. Not I think totally. we get glimpses of it. For me... That day on the bed was such a profound experience that when I allow myself to go back there in my memory, I just feel it all over again. Mm. And that's the beauty of the mental faculties that we have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So often we go back in our memory to remember bad stuff. But the reality is, if we would go back and remember the good things, the life-changing things, then, then that becomes an energy for change that we need to make in the future. It becomes a... Um, one year at the church, um, it was Thanksgiving, and we were getting ready to do a series around Thanksgiving. Leading, It was during Advent leading up to Christmas. And the Spirit gave me this idea to take... Like on a wall, and I did, we, we took a timeline and we put the earliest person that was going to be in the room on, for this particular meeting mm -hmm. was born in, say, the 1930s. So we started with 1930, and then we put the current year, but we left space beyond the current year to represent the future. Right. So I asked everybody when they came to the meeting, would they bring a sticky note and write down the worst things they remember that ever happened in their life? Mm -hmm. Put each one on a sticky note. Mm -hmm. Then I ask them to write down some of the most memorable things and put them on a sticky note. Mm -hmm. And so we, we laid the sticky notes. And so there was this colorful map, if you will, mm -hmm. of all of our lives. And it was about 10 of us in the room. All of our lives spread out on a timeline, right? And above this dotted line that I had, the 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 bad things were under the dotted line. The good things were above, above the line. Mm -hmm. Now here's what happened. As we reflected, every bad thing we thought 
was so bad, all of a sudden we began to see some good. What good thing came out of that? That there was always a story of redemption. If we chose it. Right, exactly. Right? Now right. we can hang on to the victim story if we want to. Or we can say, I'm going to write a new narrative. Coming to diagno diagnosis. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Same concept, right? Right. And so this is something Prince EA uh, has a, a, a video out, and he says, we don't all get to write our narrative, but we all get to write our ending. Mm -hmm. You might not write your beginning narrative. Right, exactly. But you get to write the ending. And so reflection is one of the spiritual practices that I invite people into in the book. Because it's when you look back, most of us are so busy outrunning our narrative. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't catch up to us, or the mm -hmm. demons attached to it, right? Mm -hmm. We're so busy outrunning it, we never look back and say, wait a minute. Just, you know, there's a, a, a story, um, what's this guy's name? Indiana Jones. Right. I don't remember which story it is because I don't follow him like that. But in one of those stories, he's trying to save his dad. Yeah. And there's there, he comes to the end of a cave, and there's a chasm between the cave and getting to the side where his dad is. Mm -hmm. Saw that one. And he sticks his foot out. Right. And there's nothing there, right? But then he sticks his foot out again, and a step shows up. Right. And then he sticks his other foot out, and right. another step. And before you know it, the bridge is made. Right. Well, see, not unless we reflect do we sometimes get to see how the bridge got made. Exactly. Exactly. That's where the power is. Mm -hmm. The power is in knowing that the last thing I thought was going to kill me did not kill me. Did not. Right. Did not. And so this thing that my nervous system feels is going to kill me right now is probably mm -hmm. not going to kill me either. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is why I get people to breathe, because most of us are holding our breath. Right. Most of us are, are living with an um, autonomic nervous system that's always on fight, flight or freeze. And so when I invite people to breathe, can we do that now? Can mm -hmm. I ask people? Sure, please. So I want to invite you to take a deep breath, breathe in through your nose, exhale through your mouth like you're blowing through a straw. It's the perching of your lips like you're blowing through the straw. Breathe in again, in through your nose. Notice the cool air coming into your nostrils. Be with it. And then on the exhale, notice the warm air exiting your mouth as you exhale. Again, breathing in deeply and fully. Exhaling deeply and slowly. So the reason I ask us to breathe is because most of the time we're all shook up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when we all allow ourselves to breathe and be with the breath of life breathing in us, it allows us to start to settle. And before you know it, just as before I shook this up, most of these bubbles are going to condense and this water is going to get clearer again. That's us. Mm. So the breath work is so that we can calm our autonomic nervous system and we can drop down into that place that I kept trying to get to, the bottom. Except this time we're not scrambling to get there. Mm -hmm. We're allowing ourselves to get there so we can be in the presence of the Trinitarian God who says, we've been waiting on you. Mm. Come on here. Mm. Mm, that is, I mean, that right there, 
that just sounded like, uh, um, I don't want to say it sums it up, but in a way it sums it up, man, about how do we get to be, yes. you know, just be. Now, you talked about doing this at one point. You had said you were going to do it, but the, the title of the book was different. It was very different. <laughs> Learning to be in a doodle world. Right, exactly. Learning to be in a doodle any way you want to. Because sometimes the world world is a doodle world. Right, right. And then you know, um, my editors talked me out. They talked you out of that. Okay, then. But I I love the title. They said it would have water appeal. Right. I love the title because the the title is learning to be, and it says uh, finding your your center. After the bottom falls out, which yeah. I, I just think that is just such a clever. Now, I want to uh, talk to you about so much, but I want to talk to you about your family. I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about your husband and your children mm-hmm. during the time that you were healing. Mm-hmm. What was going on there? What was going on? Well, my oldest daughter, I, I asked them if they wanted to write something in the book. And my oldest daughter has ADHD, or actually she has AD. Um, the one that women tend to get, which means inattentive. Mm. And so with her, she said, Mama, for once, the ADHD served me well. I remember nothing. (laughs) 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 So she doesn't remember anything much from that. But my youngest daughter, Ryan, writes in the book, and so Mm -hmm. does Rudy. They write from their perspective of... Uh, Ryan says she felt everything from ashamed. She says she wasn't ashamed of me, but she was ashamed of what it meant for me to have depression. Right. What did that mean? And she was in middle school, so this was like, and, and then she says that people at church were asking her, um, how's your mom? Where's mm-hmm. your mom? Which right. I, I thought Rudy was pretty much saying to people, she's not well. She's going to be at home for a while recovering. You made that clear. And yet, people were insinuating there was something wrong with our marriage. Oh, wow. And they were approaching my children about that. Exactly. Now, you know, that make me want to hurt people, People, right, right about your but, children. But I hurt know. people hurt people, so right. I'm not going to be hurting nobody. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus the statute of limitations might right. not be. <laughs> <you know? laughs> anyway, no, but, but it was a... So let me, let me say this. There were some things I wish we had done better. I wish we had better explained to my daughters exactly what was happening with me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think we really knew how to explain to them that I'd had a major depressive episode. Uh, We didn't know how to explain to them that we don't know how long it's going to take for her to get better. Better. Right. And see, here's the thing. Who wants to get better? Hmm. Better means usually get back to normal. Exactly. Exactly. We don't know how long it's going to take for her to get back to normal. Right. What we really ought to be saying is she's in a chrysalis like a caterpillar. And transformation is going on. And we don't know how long it'll take before she's transformed. Mm -hmm, Because that was mm -hmm. really what was happening. And so my kids and my husband have, uh, first of all, they were the first line of Somebody might say defense, and see, I don't know offense between defense, but they right. were the they were the first line of protection for me. Defense, defense. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so they protected me, right? Right. 
Um, but I will say this to your audience, anybody who experiences a diagnosis, and I'll say whether it's a mental health or a physical health diagnosis, the whole family is sick and the whole family needs care. Mm-hmm. So if you come home and find out you have diabetes, take your family with you to get educated about diabetes. Mm -hmm. Don't try to do it alone because you're trying to shift a paradigm. Expectations remain the same if we don't explain. And you're the one taught me uh, expect what what about expectations unmeditated uh, premeditated resentment. Oh, I didn't, but that's good. I, I though. thought you did teach Mm-mm. me that. No, no, I give but that's you credit good, for it all the right. time. I do you. I do. All right, that then. when we don't explain our expectations, <laughs> we're setting people up for us to resent them. Premeditated resentment. I always give you credit for that. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. very much. You're Thank very you welcome. Very much. So, educate yourself as best you can. Educate your family. My family did well. They're doing well. Both my daughters have undergrad and um, uh, master's level. Uh, psychiatry, I mean psychology degrees. Mm-hmm. My youngest daughter is a psychiatrist. My oldest daughter is uh, has a master's in psychology and a doctorate in education. Wow. Um, because she uses mental health as an educational piece. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my youngest daughter uh, uses it as a platform as well as a psychiatrist. Wow. Wow. And wow. me and Rudy just walk around being their case study. <laughs> Anything now, you need to know, let her try it out on now, us. Now you know, now, y'all y'all met y'all 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 met uh, Pastor Juanita. Yeah, you know y'all met her. You know, uh, and she has a half, her other half. Oh yeah. Uh, by the name of Rudy, yes. her husband, and yes. you see the energy and the all this uh, uh, realness, Pastor Rudy. Is like the realest of the realest yeah. of the realest. You yeah. know, uh, his his personality. Talking about being, oh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Rudy just bees. I mean, this is a guy who has uh, three braids in his beard. Yes, and with and beads on them. Silver with beads, beads on them. He yes. has three ba- braids in his beard. And I saw him on uh, Facebook. And he took that that new profile. Oh yeah. And he had a nose ring. That's right. This and is an ring. <laughs> matter of fact, matter I, fact he, I told him I was going to give him one of my earrings you can, <laughs> Upgrade me, I'll give you this one <laughs> Rudy, is, Rudy is the, uh, you know, first of all, you know, he, he's the kindest guy yes. he, he really is, he's, he's the kindest guy loyal Right, that you ever, ever want, want to meet But, yeah. you know, he's just real, you know, mm-hmm. I just you know. and, and real, and I'm going to say this so we don't make him sound like he's a god. Right. He's real and he's rough around the edges. Uh, yep, rough you know? around the edges. But his rough around the edges <laughs> is what also made space for me to feel very safe, safe. during a very vulnerable period in my yeah. life. I knew that nothing external was going to happen to me. Right, Because exactly. my husband was taking care, care of me. Right, exactly. That's you know? the kind of dude he is. Exactly. Yeah. That's the kind of dude he is. I can remember, oh, I can remember uh, my fondest memory is uh, being in worship and just, you know, and then hearing somebody say, Psst, sis. <laughs> that would be Rudy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm worshiping. He does that to me at home. I'll be in prayer and meditation. And he'll come to the door, knock on the door. Now, he see I'm meditating. And he's knocking on the door. And sometimes I just stay in my space. 
and figure he can text me. If it ain't blood and a gun, he can text me and I'll call him when I get through. He would often yeah. say, he would often do that, often do that. Um, the other thing is, I know that you do some, you're offering some um, workshops. Yes, yes, we do. And, you know, I, I went to the one that you did via Zoom. Yes. At, uh, uh, y'all were at St. John's. Right, right. And you did it via Zoom. And it was very great. It was it was very good for me at that time, mm-hmm. and I wish I had been able to uh, uh, go further. Yeah, but yeah. I, I thought that it was so um, it was so helpful for me during that time in my life because yeah. I was into to doing. Um, it was um, um, I think it was right before my dad died. I'm thinking it was right before okay. he died. Okay, he died July first. Right. So I think it was before. Yeah. So okay. So it was right before uh, my dad died, and you know it was so much, so much going on yes. at that time. And um, um, I, I can remember attending that workshop and just you know some of the things that were being said, some of the things that were being expressed mm-hmm. helped out so much that it's like. I don't know. It's like getting permission to be, yes. you know, um, yes. not getting so caught up into yeah. what people. Oh, that was another thing that you said in here that was really mind blowing. You said um, when we use the word should, mm-hmm. it comes out of other mm-hmm. people's expectations. expectations. That's right. And I had never looked at it like yeah. I remember you used to tell us when you were at St. John's that we could we should quit shooting all over ourselves. Yes. When I used to love that. You yeah. know, you say, yeah. you know, stop shooting on yourself, yeah. you know, yeah. with the I should be doing this, mm-hmm. I should be doing mm-hmm. that. And uh but when you said that, man, that really helped. So it was really comforting because every now and then I feel like that what I need is just to be okay with being me. You know, yes. uh, one of the things that I um, has struggled with at one time is not feeling tend to go. Okay. Is not feeling um, worthy enough mm-hmm. to bring on God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, I always saw everybody else mm-hmm. as so much spiritually mm-hmm. enlightened. Mm-hmm. I wasn't brought up in the mm-hmm. church. You know, mm-hmm. my, my, my mom didn't make me mm-hmm. go to church, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had very little knowledge. I did mm-hmm. get baptized, mm-hmm. but I think I went out and got high right after yes. I got baptized. <laughs> right. you know? And I got baptized just so, you know. Right. So make was, everybody happy at the house. It, it, my, you know, it was like, Mom, did I get christened as a child? No, but you need to get baptized. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I, I end up doing that, but having no idea about the God. And that was another thing I wanted to thank you for, because you were the one that introduced me as well as many other people to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because for so long in going to the churches mm-hmm. that I had been going to the few times that mm-hmm. I went, there was not very much talk, mm-hmm. if any, about the Holy Spirit. Right. So, you know, you taught me that. But I always was dealing with the fact that, you know, I'm not spiritual enough Mm -hmm. to be up here doing God's word. And because of the fact that I do use a lot of humor, Mm -hmm. sometimes for protection, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's just how I do things because Mm -hmm. I can remember that the pastors that I relate to or related to, they use humor. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you remember Dean Bird? Yeah. See, nobody remembers him. I'm so glad Juanita, because whenever I talk, except for, uh, Pastor Deborah, okay. we like the only ones that remember because y'all sent us 
to one of his right. uh, at the College of Biblical Studies. Right. He was doing a class, right. Right. and y'all sent us to it. And uh, I mean, this guy was so smart, but he was so funny, man. Yeah. He had the greatest sense of humor, and yeah. I used to love to hear him. And so I often felt like that I was, I, I, and this is my narrative, that, you know, People don't feel like you take the Lord serious, mm -hmm. you know, because of your humor. And, you know, and it wasn't until, you know, I start, it's, this is me. This That's is right. Ben. He gave right. me this, this sense of humor. This I is a gift. Right. It's yes. a gift. Yes. Because, you know, one of the things that I say about my style of uh teaching the word is that I, I make it relatable. Exactly. And I tell folks, that's exactly. my gift. I exactly. recognize that. I say I have a gift for being able to look at a scripture and make it relatable. Yes. To the, not, I don't make it simple, right. but I make it, you know, it's not like I think people are dumb. Right. Or, but it's, I can make it relatable. Exactly. And I know that's a gift from exactly. God. Exactly. I know it because, you know, God ideas from the yes, prayer challenge. Yes. I mean, I get those God ideas, yes. and I know it's not of me, That's you know. Right. But yeah. you know that reading this book and going to that that workshop that you had really did get me into this thing of hey man, I'm, I just need to be, yes. you know. And I'm I'm one of the, I, and I shared about this just the other day about my preaching being about what other people had to say about it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I preach that way, mm -hmm. you know, when I preach it and mm -hmm. this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, you know, they're going to mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. for God, mm -hmm. not to say it mm -hmm. was like the people. So, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be 99, it'd be 100 people in the room. 99 people say, that was a good word. Mm -hmm. That was a good word. And the, and one, the one person, person that person didn't say nothing to you, you said, well, one person did it not touch you. I'm running around behind that person right, saying, right, you know, well, right. what is it? You know, don't you like me? Yeah, was it yeah, good yeah, enough? Yeah, yeah. And just recently, and I'm not talking like years ago, but just recently, I've gotten to a point where that's not my, when I, God is what you want me to say. Hopefully, you know, it'll get to the right. If it doesn't, because your word will not return to you void. That's right. So if I know if I put it out there, That's it's right. going to get to the people that it needs. And it's no longer. So I don't drive home yeah. after preaching going, oh, you should have said, oh, right, well, right, why right. didn't you say, you know, right. I don't do that anymore. Right, so right. I, I'm trying. I'm continuing to try. It's your phone. Is it my phone? It's your phone. You calling me? No. You, I think you played it on your watch. Oh, stop, Siri, stop. <laughs> I you know you were wrapping up. You know. <laughs> I was like, it oh, was cute. Man, and yeah, I'm glad. Like, like we do at church. We wrap that sermon on up. Right. That was great. Great. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. Perfect time to wrap up. Was I finished saying what I was saying? Pretty much. Well, well, yes, because you were talking about now you can you can drive home with contentment. Thank now, you. So I was you don't through. have to I, condemn I, yourself. You. I was yeah. through. I was through. Yeah. So um, we got good time. Okay, good. We got good time. So we're not gonna have to go part two. No, you did a part two. It's been an hour. Oh, I did a part two. Okay, so 